Is this the week we'll finally get a Charlotte Hornets head coach? We'll talk about that. Plus, we'll talk about the NBA big men in the draft. Can the Hornets get their hands on one of them? And if they don't, is that the worst case scenario? We'll talk about all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for joining us once again and making us your first listen. We're free and available on all podcast platforms that includes YouTube nowadays. I'm Walker Mail, been covering Charlotte sports for a while now, ESPN Radio, do some TV hits as well, and Doug is the OG founder of the podcast. If you like our Facebook page a thousand times, that OG founder is going to dress up like Grandmama, so just get us to a thousand likes. If you get us to 500, we're going to give you a treat as well. We'll give you the Matt Geiger fact of the day. I laugh every time I use that as a treat for everyone. The fact that that is an incentive to like us 500 times a Matt Geiger fact of the day it makes me laugh Matt Geiger just himself just the presence of Matt Geiger uh makes me laugh as well follow us on Twitter Walker Mail Doug Branson LOH the show handle on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets you know Doug it's been a while now since we've had a head coach here (laughs) (laughs) the pause the pause it's look speaking of speaking of pauses man like Hornets have been taking their sweet time Figuring out who the next head coach is going to be. Mike D'Antoni, Kenny Atkinson, both meeting this week. And so we had some reports heading into the week that Kenny Atkinson would be meeting his third time with the Charlotte Hornets, this time reaching the final stage with Michael Jordan included. That was on Tuesday. So he's already had his third interview. It was also reported by Woj that Mike D'Antoni would have his third interview with the team, also including Michael Jordan. And that was supposed to happen later this week. Could be today. Maybe it could be tomorrow, but we just know that it was later this week. I didn't see a definitive day, but it could be you know Thursday or Friday. Who knows? All to say that you have to imagine they're going to name a head coach soon. I hope that it's by the end of either this week or this weekend, and then we can have the introductory press conference maybe on a Monday or Tuesday, just some point next week. But the timing, the timing just with these two guys, you're not – going to get Quinn Snyder Terry Stotts no longer uh, a candidate we've interviewed a ton of dudes here in Charlotte and and now we've dwindled it down to two you have to imagine it's going to take place at least next week at some point oh you'd have to think so I mean they've promised us a head coach before the draft which is always nice to have a head coach (laughs) before you draft you know the future of your franchise so you know, yeah, I, I would expect it sooner rather than later. But I, I you know, I I saw uh, a tweet from our friend uh, James Plowright who mentioned, you know, on this timing, it could get interesting because D'Antoni currently not coaching in the finals, unlike the other candidate, Kenny Atkinson. So yeah, know, he oh, was that's a good point. He was thinking like, you know, the longer this takes, the worse it is for D'Antoni's odds. That the longer it takes, they may be just waiting for the NBA finals to wrap up to announce that it is uh, Kenny Atkinson's job. I'm not totally sure about that. I think certainly they wouldn't announce Kenny Atkinson before the finals was over, but I'm not, I don't, they've taken their time. They've been really deliberate about this whole process. So Walker, I'm not sure that that would really mean anything to me. 
Yeah, no, it's a good point to bring up. Speaking of one guy that was being considered, it was Darvin Ham. Eventually, the Bucks would lose an earlier exit than I'm sure they wanted. And we didn't have that answered with the Lakers. So as soon as the Bucks, they were out, then you started to get some, you know, some speed on that decision made. And Darvin Ham would be the Lakers head coach. Speaking of the Lakers head coach, Darvin Ham, one of the candidates there, it was Kenny Atkinson. Doug, does that make mm. you feel better that the Lakers were also in on Kenny Atkinson potentially before naming the assistant for Milwaukee? Yeah, apparently he was a finalist there. So Kenny Atkinson uh, getting the double bridesmaid treatment. Uh, will he be a bride for the Charlotte Hornets? We will see. I don't know that it makes me feel any better. Honestly, it's the Lakers, right? I mean, <laughs> it was always going to be Darvin Ham and, and you know, their, their track record with uh, head coaching hires um, hasn't been like super stellar. So uh, I don't know that it makes me feel worse. I don't know that it makes me feel better. Yeah. I think it just makes me feel. Yeah, and I think Kenny Atkinson is someone that had success in a way you didn't expect with the Nets. Then he's an assistant coach with a great team like Golden State. The pedigree still is there, and the excuse as to why he left that Nets organization is because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't want him. There were some problems, at least not huge, but there were some reported problems within the locker room that maybe the message was wearing off and just like he was a little weird at times, but all to say it wasn't enough to damage his reputation. Who he's, among us? Right. not enough to damage his reputation as far as never getting a shot again. Like Kenny Atkinson deserves all of these inquiries from Charlotte, from the Lakers, from whoever is going to interview him. But when you're up against a guy like Mike D'Antoni, you might be more inclined to hire him, especially when you have a star like LaMelo. Mike D'Antoni's done a good job with those guys that have the basketball in their hands all the time, or at least that it needs the possession you would like for it to start with the basketball in their hands. Well, that's so. what I would tell anyone that's anxious about this coaching hire. It's a big deal. I mean, this is going to be the person. They're taking uh, their time this, with it. The second coach for LaMelo Ball. Now you're sure. You're sure the LaMelo Ball is going to be the face of your franchise and someone that has the potential to take your franchise to another level. And so getting the the right person uh, to to lead LaMelo Ball is is going to be crucial. And, and I think there are arguments – for both coaches. This is a very difficult mm -hmm. decision. I, I have a question for you, which is, are you jealous of the Utah Jazz head coaching search right now, which is wide open, full of juicy assistant coaching names? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's Sean Sweeney. It's it's just all of these Frank folks Vogel. That, remember, don't forget about him, despite us doing that many times. Frank Vogel is now. I feel like Vogel's still waiting for a call from the Hornets. Like, hey, am I getting that? Am I getting <laughs> that meeting with MJ? <laughs> I've always wanted to meet him. Yeah, I know. Is um, it happening the second time? The third time? No. Okay. Well, see you later. See ya. But no, but Utah is wide open. Are you jealous of that? Because the Hornets process started like that. But I think in the midst of talking to those coaches, they were like, wait a minute, we probably need to go and find somebody that's like a sure thing. Well, it, as long as Donovan Mitchell is going to stay there, that's the ultimate eject button if they trade Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert, you still have Donovan. You, you trade for pieces that he likes. You feel like you can win with. And it's kind of the retooling thing, kind of what Portland did when they traded C.J. McCollum but they still have Damian Lillard on the roster. If they trade Donovan Mitchell, if he really wants to leave that organization, then you're completely rebuilding and you can get your assistant coach and you can give him some time to grow. So, you know, we 
we've saw uh, we, we saw the Charlotte Hornets have this opportunity anyway, and they decided they didn't want Sweeney, they didn't want Vanderpool, they didn't want uh, who knows about Darvin Ham. Darvin could have chosen the Lakers, but you know we've seen them kind of go through this. So yeah, like I understand your point. I just feel like the Charlotte Hornets would have disappointed me in that route once again. So I don't I don't want to go through that. Um, I want to get to the point where you talked about it's important, right? And I think the Hornets know that more so than they did in the last coaching search, because now there is a very clear goal that needs to take place next season where we all knew once Kimba was off this roster, hey, any win we're going to be really thankful for because we know we're not going to get a ton. And I was looking up exactly the timeline of when James Borrego was announced the head coach after they decided to let go Steve Clifford. And so, you know, they interviewed James Borrego and Jay Laranega for a second time for their vacant head coaching position. That was a May 5th, 2018 date. And then five days later, Woj announced that James Borrego would be that head coach. And Michael Jordan was involved in the second interviews. Now here we have three interviews for Kenny Atkinson and Mike D'Antoni, and it's between these two guys. But this searching, it's this process has gone forever. The two similarities have been they brought in a lot of guys each time. I think they brought in a ton last time. This year, you know, all the assistants we just named, you know, Kenny Atkinson, Frank Vogel was a part of this. You know, we, you know, here's Mike D'Antoni once again. They realize the importance of this. I have a question for you, right? Let's just qu uh, trade questions back. Boom, 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 if boom. this coaching search is so important, would you argue that nailing the coaching hire is more important than nailing the draft? Regardless of if you choose to pick somebody there or trade, what's more important between nailing the coaching hire and nailing the draft? I think at this point, because their picks are at 13 and 15, and I think honestly, the picks are probably a little bit more value uh, or a little bit more valuable as trade pieces to acquire the veterans necessary to go after a playoffs, just get to get to the playoffs, A, B, win a playoff series. So in that way, I think that head coaching hire is actually more important than nailing this particular draft. Now, now, you know, I think overall, Hitting on your draft picks, definitely for the long-term yeah. health of your franchise, is always going to be great. Like if Kai Jones you know, ends up developing into a starter, if James Booknight ends up developing into a starter, like long-term, that's great. Um, we see that with Miles Bridges, obviously. So uh, I, I think long-term, yes, but on this particular draft and this particular head coaching search, I'm going to go head coach because you have to find the, the, play, the, the coach that's going to be able to communicate – best with LaMelo Ball they could possibly even you know convince LaMelo Ball to hang around Charlotte for a lot longer you know when when we deal with that in a few years uh and and get this uh get these goals that they need to these draft picks that whoever they are Mark Williams Jalen Duran whoever it ends up being is not going to be the difference maker to getting this team into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with your overall philosophy that usually it's more important to nail the draft if you want to establish a good foundation for the future. And it's a player's league anyway. You get those players a lot of times through the draft. It's really important to do that. But with this specific team, if you draft two rookies and – you expect them to have a huge impact on what you're going to do this year as far as making the postseason or not. Well, that's just a flawed way of thinking. A coach could come in and establish some different things to get you into the postseason, not get bounced in the play-in, or at least compete in the play-in and the postseason. And, of course, you have the LaMelo factor. You want LaMelo to have a good time in Charlotte. 
You do not want him to get frustrated with the lack of winning and the lack of getting to the postseason. The coach can have a direct impact on that right now. Now, if you wanted to talk about trading those guys for a veteran and you have that way of thinking when trying to figure out the rest of the roster to help LaMelo, maybe you can make an argument there. But I think it's more important as far as the roster goes to figure out how to move off some money in order to re-sign Melo's best friend and Miles Bridges. Here's so what's most important, free agency Mitch, and the trade do market something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, trade market and free agency, you could argue, is, is more important to nail right now. But you have two draft picks. You know, adding another one, it's, it, it's always great. You know, the, the fact that you maximized that pick as much as possible because the, Belican, or the Pelicans, they barely... They barely sneaked into the postseason enough for you to get that pick at 15. That's great. And you should definitely, I mean, it'd be great to nail both of them. So you have that opportunity, I think, if you are Mitch Kupchak and you're the Charlotte Hornets. All right, let's talk more about the NBA draft coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Big Board joins us once again. We've talked a little about Mark Williams and Jalen Duran, but we're going to take a deeper dive. The difference between both of them. What are the chances that Jalen Duran could actually fall to 13 like we've seen in a couple of these mock drafts? Don't worry, we're also going to talk about some other big guys. Walker Kessler will give you an evaluation on him. And what are some of the second rounders you could hit on with the Hornets also selecting at 45? That's still to come. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of make and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need wine door often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning you don't have to do that anymore you can save time and money when using rock auto because their prices are reliably low for every single customer go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you they have an amazing selection they have reliably low prices they have all the parts your car will ever need Visit rockauto.com. Richard Stamen, coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti and Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, guys, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can we get, P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Locked on Hornets on the Locked on Podcast Network. We're company men. Welcoming Richard Stamen from the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast. He talks all about the NBA draft prospects coming up. And he's done that a couple of different times with us this week. So we gave you the intro. He graded our draft that we had in the Ultimate Mock Draft just yesterday. That's coming up, by the way. June 16th is when the first selections are going to be aired on Locked on NBA. Doug, I believe we're going to be a part of that, too. I guess we'll probably put together like some kind of five-minute evaluation clip and then put that out there, and then the rest of the world can grade us, too. Yeah, we got to get to work. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do that. Um, I'll let you do most of the work and then you just tell me what you need and I'll try to contribute as much as I possibly can. Richard Stamen doing a lot of work for us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Here he is right now. 
Richard Stayman of Locked On NBA Big Board joining us once again. Follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Now, we already talked about the 13th overall pick being Mark Williams. Richard, you were a fan of that. You had so much praise for the entire NBA draft that we just concluded in the ultimate mock draft. But you liked the 13th pick with Mark Williams, and you said you didn't think there was a big gap between Mark Williams and Jalen Duran, who could be um, that 13th pick by a couple of mock drafts that we've seen recently. That had not been the case you know, really any mock draft leading up until like the last week or so. Do you think there's a possibility that he could fall to Charlotte? Like if if you wanted to put a percentage on it, what might that look like and how good of a fit would he be here with the Hornets? Yeah, I'd say 10%. Just okay. he's the youngest player or second youngest player in the draft. And when you're, when you've got that title, it's really hard not to go top 10, especially with the talent and recruiting ranks and things like that. The hype he's had behind him. It's hard for him to drop, but the fit is an A+. Plus. I mean, again, you talk about what Mark Williams brought. He has lateral quickness, perimeter defensibility, and, and that's a big game changer compared to what Mark Williams has on that end. Uh, so what, what do you put the percentage chance that he literally falls to the Charlotte Hornets during the NBA draft? What I'm saying is he tries to go to the podium to accept uh, the draft at, and he literally falls. You know they're they're big. Like I'm sure that they trip. He's over raw, a right? I mean, you know. from time to time. Yeah, I, I hope it's 17. not. I hope it. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm telling you to go ahead as if you Please need answer to answer my, this. Answer the question, question. Richard. Seventeen percent chance. All right. Wow, that's high. Higher than him actually. Him actually <laughs> makes he, me not want to draft him anymore. You put his percentage chance of actually falling to the Hornets higher than his metaphorical chance of falling to the Hornets. That's. I, I, that's incredible. Doug, if you can't get to the podium, you can't get to the court, in my opinion. So maybe Ooh. we just go ahead and stick with Mark Williams. Let's just select him at 13. I do have a serious I do have a serious question and and I'm going to bring the percentages back, okay? What do you put if if the Hornets do draft Jalen Duran at uh at 13, what's the chance that he actually play off the bench? I mean, I don't think he's ready to be a starter. I don't think anyone thinks he's ready to be a starter. But you know, the Hornets just got through a draft where they had two first-round picks and neither saw the floor for that much in, in the regular season. What do you put Jalen Duren's chance of, of doing that? It's tough uh, because we don't know the coaching situation quite like Borrego, for whatever reason, just hated young players, uh, which always blew my mind because, I mean, even in Orlando, it's the same way. And it was like, did you did you look at the roster you have here? Like, I don't know what you were expecting. But so I think it's hard. I think with Jalen Duren, I would not expect him to start especially if like Mason Plumley is still on the team. I just, I feel like they're going to let him start half the season. And then, which I know isn't like exactly what Hornets fans want it's to not. hear. That was tough. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. I mean, Duran in theory, I think he could, you know, end of the season, there's a chance he could close, uh, close and start some games. Um, and I, I saw you tweet about Mark Williams. You kind of went on a little, you know, thread with just some of the video clips you were looking at with him. One thing that I have tried to bring to the attention is that the shooting touch is is there with Mark. Like Don't I look, he shut didn't, up. About he, he didn't. He didn't shoot a lot. Touch this I get it. And touch I get, that. I, Thank you, Doug. I think I think that he saying. does have a little touch. With Mark obsessed. Williams does. Yes, I am obsessed with it. Um, you seem to think that there's also a little bit better passing ability than it's given credit for to, to Mark Williams. I, I think Jalen is awesome, right? I think I like the short role. I think he does a really nice job in the high-low game. I think we saw that at Memphis where he's able to just have some nice over-the-top passes when he was working with another big guy down low. I, I think that's really a part of Jalen's game, which separates him. You do think that's in Mark Williams' arsenal a little more so too, though, right? Yeah, Mark just didn't have the chance to show it, like – you look at Memphis, they didn't have a point guard 
Duke had five NBA players starting. So mm-hmm. it's obviously not – you're not going to get equal shares in that way. But I, I really like the shooting touch as well. You look at the free throw percentage, meets the bar, 73% is really good for a big man who doesn't isn't known for being a shooter. And also he took nine jump shots this year, made five of them, and the form doesn't look that bad. I don't know if he ever goes to a three-point shot just because his shot is so ridiculously effortless. It's almost too effortless, but from the mid-range, I think it works. Uh, so with Mark Williams, okay, I, I really want to know if he passes like the wants it test. You know, is it, do you view Mark Williams as a guy? Does who, he have that dog in him? Is that what well, you're asking? That's what I'm like. Does he? Because that's the that's the toughest thing to gauge in all of these players, and and I don't know if you even have a good answer for it. And but I want to know is is this a player that wants to be great? Hard to say. He's a guy who he was pretty rough last year as a freshman, came back, and there's a real argument he was the second best player on Duke. Um, I mean, he was the ACC defensive player of the year, really just improved in every single way across the stat sheet, across the eye test, all of it. He looked a little bit more mobile. I think so. Um, And I think that passing jump is pretty big. I went back and watched all of his assists and sometimes he gets a little bit lucky, but I think he knows what he's doing and his instincts on that end are really strong. He just knows where his teammates are and he passes to spots, not teammates, which is something a lot of the great passers do in the league as well. Yeah, I Mark Williams. You, Richard, I believe you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, by the way, below six percent body fat as like a seven foot dude. That's crazy. You know, Walker Kessler, for instance, I think had a fourteen percent body fat measurement there. And Walker Kessler also huge, and also one of these top big guys that are going to go off of the draft board. Or at least we think looks pretty by all consensus. Jalen Duran, Mark Williams. Do you think Walker Kessler is that third big guy, Richard? And how far of a gap is there in your mind? Oh, shaking his head. Hold on. I have to tell people who are listening that aren't watching this on YouTube. He was shaking his head before you even finished the question. So so thoughts on Walker Kessler. (laughs) Go ahead, Richard. Do you want me to start with the positives or the negatives? You're shaking your head. No, you have to start with the negatives. Okay, well, this is going to – somebody's going to turn it off right after and paint me as the worst guy ever, but I'll take it. Uh, You know – I have him ranked actually in the 70s. I would not draft him. Okay. Uh, what? <laughs> I, I don't hey, that's coffee. so low. Wow. Uh, it, I remember the Levitard show doing this when Chris Sims ranked Blake Bortles as the 75th quarterback. I almost want you to name all of your prospects before 70s. you reach wa- like that's Walker you Kessler. wouldn't pay, you wouldn't take him in a pickup game. Hey, but hey, listen, Doug, we talked about this. Like I did want- <laughs> Like that's local <laughs> Y. Like you're not even you're not even picking him up at the local Y at he's, 7. He's taking Walker Mail before he takes Walker Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> at least give me a 60 spot. Come on, at least. All right, give, give me give me the evaluation on Kessler. Yeah, so for me, it's just I don't see a lot of it translating. He likes to sometimes shoot threes. Let's just start with the offense. Likes to shoot threes. Zero confidence in that happening. The shot just looks awful. Uh, there's really no percentages. I don't think that back it up from him ever being a reliable threat. And then his one weapon on offense is he stands at the basket and catches lobs. Like he is very good at catching lobs. I want to give him credit on that. I think he can be a pick and roll guy, but he's so slow. So like his roles are not good and a team can just stop him. Like it's almost the same way. Like, yeah, Boban could be a great role man because he's so massive, but he's so slow and negates it. And like, there's a reason Boban doesn't play. Um, to me, the negatives though are just very, it's a long list. It starts with the shot blocking. He hunts a lot of those blocks. Yes. Historic numbers 
but he also got to camp out in the paint a lot. Um, I, I worry about how it translates. He really throws his body into guys. He's going to get a lot of fouls. If he went from an elite college shot blocker to an above average one, just that not a crazy drop off. I don't think he'd be in much of an NBA prospect. Like there's a kid. Uh, and and I say that because there's a kid of Western Kentucky, for example, Jamarion Sharp, who's seven, four and had very similar numbers. Not, not, he's probably like a well above average shot blocker, not an NBA prospect. And they're really just not far off offensively. So I'm out on Walker Kessler. Yep. So the Hornets have that 45th pick in the second round. I know a lot of the argument is you can wait for big guys later on in the draft, whether it be late first round, whether it be in the second, you've seen some success stories there. Uh, one, how much of that philosophy do you buy into? And are there some names to pay attention to for Charlotte once you get to that possible 45th selection? Yeah, I ultimately buy in that. Like if you have a good scouting department, you can probably find somebody uh, that that other teams just don't rank high. I mean, every year there's somebody in my top 25 that falls to the second round. And if I'm assuming NBA teams, probably there's 30 of them. I'm sure that happens in multiple front offices too. And, and a lot of times they end up right. So not necessarily the same players or anything, but a couple names I could see in this mix. One, this one's actually kind of a bold one because I've seen him mocked as a first rounder and he was somebody who started as a top 10 prospect, but Patrick Baldwin Jr. Yeah. I think his fall just worked out for real. us. Yeah, his fall was very real. I mean, just being a three-point shooter who hasn't had much success shooting outside of high school, uh, that worries me and also tested terribly at, at the Combine. It didn't perform well in, in Milwaukee. And then one other name that I think uh, is a guy who he hasn't gotten enough love talking about long, long arms on the wings and can shoot, Ron Harper Jr., I'm a big fan of his offensive game, not much to offer on defense, but for a team that this last year, they emphasized catch and shoot for Charlotte could be a plug and play. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. There you go. Also. Yes, uh, that's true. And also, you know, it's great analysis. It really is. Also, you. you have uh, also both the guys that worked out for the Hornets in the last couple of uh, workouts. It, they Hornets work out a ton of dudes before, you know, before the NBA draft here, we are, you know, just June 7th, they already had quite a bit. Um, all right. That was kind of your big man segment. I got one Richard more. I got Damon. one more question. I got one okay, more go question. Ahead. This is a, is not a center. It's power forward, but Tari Eason. Why is Tari Eason? I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen him at 13. I've seen him at 15, but I've also seen him at eight. I've seen him at nine. I, I don't think I've seen him anywhere higher than that, but I mean, that's a pretty decent range. Like what's, what's going on there with Tari Eason that he's kind of all over the place on these big boards. Yeah. So the, the story I've heard with him is uh, he had a workout starting la early last month. Um, and he was the only draftable prospect probably in that workout. At, at best, he was the only first round prospect. He was the worst player in the workout. So when things like that are happening, it's alarming. And then you you pile it on the fact that there's been basketball IQ questions, things like that, just about character. There's a lot of just intangible concerns for him. While he is a great talent, you can't deny the production. It just comes down to, I think, how much do teams value that in-game tape versus what they see behind the scenes. All right, I'm we're still, I'm still, I'm still scarred from the Noah Vonley pick. So when you start talking about basketball IQ questions, I get really scared. Also, just really quickly, just philosophy. So this is my draft philosophy. I want to see if you feel the same way. So I have this idea. This is goes back to the Noah Vonley thing. When a guy drops like seven, eight picks and everyone had him project projected around a certain area, it's like on a falling star situation that worries me. So, so I don't see that as like the Hornets getting lucky that let's say, for example, 
not a Keegan Murray or a Shaden Sharp that just suddenly tank from like five or six down to 13. Uh, at that point, I get worried. Don't you get worried by that kind of thing? Yeah. Like you look at, this is a different example, uh, but Sharif Cooper last year, Bull Bull in 2019, those were guys. We took Bull Bull in one of these ultimate mock drafts, too. It, that it was, was on the me. one exception, was, apparently, Doug had to the rule of guys falling. That was <laughs> on then, me. <laughs> well, those we did trade back to be fair to be fair round. we traded back we trade i think we got some assets in return we traded back mm. but yeah oh! guys like guys like that that worries me when they fall in that deep when it's something like they were mocked at five and they go like 13 or something like you know some a little bit of intrigue but i think a lot of teams overthink stuff at the top i think in the the bottom half of the draft that's a real concern that they said no we can't we can't afford to take this swing and um, to me, that's the second round falls are scarier than the first one. So I, I don't read a ton of those first round falls, but I do get it. Yeah, okay, Walker, right. Walker, you're, you can end the segment now. I've hijacked it twice. No, and I appreciate you. Instead of just letting me end the segment, you jump again to tell me that I can end the segment. Better therefore, agree. prolonging the segment. That's really good. It's Locked On Hornets. Richard Stamen has one more segment to be on with us. We're going to do a name game, throw a whole bunch of prospects at him, and then find out who the biggest, who the best fit is with LaMelo Ball. So that's still to come. One more segment with Richard Stamen on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast or L. Walker Kessler in the 70s. All right, let's dig into that in the third segment, plus a little more on some of the big guys we just discussed there with Richard Stamen. Great stuff from him. I'm happy to have him on um, for even another segment that we're going to air tomorrow. That's a Friday to end the week, so some good stuff there. We really appreciate it. Don't you love a chewy chocolate brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? So good. What if I told you that you can have all of that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein. You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at built.com right now. And you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and there's only four grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with built's caramel brownie bar in a heartbeat. You can too. Go to built.com. Use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Belt.com. Let's talk about what Richard Stamen had to say about some of the big men there coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, apparently this town is only big enough for one Walker. Richard Stamen doesn't think this country is big enough for Walker Kessler. In the 70s? I mean, that had to be really surprising, right? Like, I look, I'm not a fan. I don't want to draft him at 15. I, If I had to, I'd rather trade back. And there's a chance that he could even maybe fall in the second round if you don't believe in his mobility. That was probably the most astonishing thing you said there, though, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not like super high on Walker Kessler, but I don't know that he's going to fall into the second round. I mean, I still think he's going to be a first rounder for sure. I mean, he mm -hmm. just he showed too many flashes of great defensive talent. I think to pass up on on that opportunity, but there are. There are certainly concerns, um, but it does 
it does illustrate that there would be options for the Charlotte Hornets if they didn't want to address the center position with those two lottery picks. I, either you know they fall in love with one of the wing defenders or they find opportunities to move those one or more of those picks for veterans uh, that can help them make the playoffs. Yeah, well, let's talk about that scenario. You know, We've already talked enough about Mark Williams, what we like, what we don't like, the separation between him and Jalen Duran. Um, you know, one thing is... He did say that there's probably a 10% chance that Duran falls to 13. So not likely, despite us seeing that increasingly more. Ah, but still the, a chance. 10% yeah, still, is still a chance. That's true. You know, that is an optimistic view, and I appreciate you for that. Thank you. The realistic view is that he's not going to be there. But if there is hope to be had, then the 10% uh, title is what Richard Stamen is going to put on it. Still, likely he's not going to be there. What if Mark Williams isn't there too, Doug? Because that's when it gets pretty scary. And we've kind of operated under the assumption that he is going to be there, at least one of them. And really, Mark Williams ain't going to get drafted beforehand. But if those two guys are gone and Walker Kessler isn't considered really in the same neighborhood as those two, at least by Richard Stamen, you know, everybody's going to have their different evaluations. But I told you I wouldn't draft Walker Kessler at 15 if both of those guys are gone. It still is unfortunate because it's just a great way to get somebody in the system that can help now and hopefully improve if a Mark Williams is there. But if he's gone, is that worst case scenario? I don't think it's worst case scenario because I think there are also a number of wing defenders that they could look to add, um, whether it's Ochai Abaji, and that's a, that's a guy that's a veteran who can come in and actually is, is one of the players I think could come in and uh, actually contribute to this team. Um, you know, maybe not significant minutes early on off the bench, but but some contributions by the end of the year. Abaji, someone that can you know, lock guys down on the wing and, and help out in that area because the Hornets, their defensive issues were not just the fact that they lacked a, a solid yeah. rim protector. It's the fact that they couldn't, it was both. It was yes and. They couldn't stop the ball at the point of attack. And then that leaked down and, and it had everybody rotating and that allowed teams uh, to dominate in the paint and from three if teams were good enough to kick it out and move the basketball. So uh, the Hornets have to address both of those things. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised even if Mark Williams is available. <laughs> like I'm not, I, you know, I mean, everybody's talking about him at the, uh, that it makes the most sense, but, it, but if they also feel like if they, they had a Baji in, they've worked him out if they feel like that that's a player who can come in and actually contribute. And they really want to make one of these lottery picks work for them as soon as possible. And they, you know, they maybe they like Kai Jones's development in Greensboro, and they think he's going to be ready to cook sooner rather than later. You know, all of these things I think are possibilities. It's it's wide open. I, I just I don't buy into this idea that it's Mark Williams or bust that it's automatic that he's going to be the pick. I'm just not I'm not certain oh, of that. I, I don't know that they think that. I know that it probably should be the pick within the first two. If you wanted to not select him at 13, bank on him that he's going to be there at 15, and then take him, fine. But if you pass him up, we've talked about the negligence at that spot for so long. Mm -hmm. And I know that we're talking about bringing in a free agent, but it's not like mm -hmm. that's going to be cake. We've talked about the money restrictions that they have. If they're going all in on, well, we'll create the money one way or the other, and you don't find a good trade partner for Gordon Hayward because they don't want that contract either. And you don't find a good trade partner. All right, well, now we have to move on to Terry, but that's making your team, you know, without a 20 point per game score. I, this is the way to do that is to get that guy. And that's why I think it, you know, look, 
if if you ended up with a Malachi Branham and Jalen Williams, who I love, both of them, you know, or if you know Blake Wesley, or if if your guy is Abaji, you know, fine. There are to have two talented dudes like that would make a lot of sense, but that would just be another thing they do that doesn't address somebody that could come in and protect the rim immediately, and we're still pushing it off until we just never address it, and then it's going to be a problem again. Yeah, no, I'm, they they have to do. They have to do something, you know, if it's not going to be Mark Williams. Do something. Yeah, do please just do something. We are tired as fans of watching (laughs) this defense just be a sieve and allow uh, buckets of the paint with ease and not – I mean, they just can't move offenses around. Offenses know when they come in. It's like we've got a free lane to the rim if we're we're aggressive enough and and we're physical enough to do it. And I I would just like to see someone – uh, you know, that's I think back to the Dwight Howard experiment, and, and certainly uh, it wasn't an ideal fit. There were a lot of reasons why, you know, mostly because they had contracts they were trying to get rid of, that Dwight Howard was a member of the Charlotte Hornets. And, and he had his own fair share of defensive issues. But, like, the one thing I did enjoy is when uh, someone came into the paint, they had to think about it. They had to think about it for two seconds. And uh, they just that was when had Dwight had not quite make give, do that. yeah that was when my bad yeah that was that was when Dwight like had not quite given up on you give me the ball in the post and I can make something happen for us and then I think after his year with Charlotte where it didn't go so well I think that's when he finally started to buy into a big man high energy guy off of the bench and actually do some good things with the Lakers but you know if if you don't have Mark Williams or Jalen Duran in play does it make you try to force a trade a little more so on draft night you know do, do you have they have to have that plan in place you know it's just it's really poor if they don't right I have to imagine they would so does that make you kind of force your deal with the Spurs all right you know we'll give you this too you know just something like that I, I is that something that you know is more in play if they're both off of the board or you say all right you know we'll just get we'll just get two other talented players that we really like even if they don't play that center spot well, what's really interesting, Walker, is that if the Hornets don't, if the Hornets do draft Mark Williams, okay, let's say he is available, it would be the first time they would really be drafting for need, like specifically for a a, a need that we all know they they need and they know they need. It'd be the first time that they would do that under the Mitch Kupchak regime. They have been very staunchly BPA, best player available. So I think if Mark Williams is gone and Jalen Duran is gone. Um, I don't know that that forces a deal necessarily. I think it just it really cements, okay, yep, now yeah. we're going BPA. If there was any chance we were going to draft for need, that's out the window, best player available, whether that's Branham or, uh, you know, they may fall in love with Jalen Williams and say, forget it, we're, we're, we're scooting them all the way up to, forget 20, forget 25, we're scooting them all the way up to 15. Yeah. No, and it's a good point. You know, that, that is the way they've operated. And then in the second round, they might have taken those chances on Vernon Carey, Nick Richards, a couple guys that come to mind. And even Kai Jones, they knew that he wasn't going to come in right away and contribute last year. Very interesting question about him coming into this season. You know, if they don't have those two bigs available, you don't like Walker Kessler. I wish I would have asked Richard about Christian Coloco, who I also like from Arizona maybe if you do trade back let's say you trade back from 15 to 20 or in the 20s somewhere around there I think he would be the next guy I'd look at if you are desperate to fill that five spot and you take whoever at 13 um one guy real quickly you know he also mentioned at 45 when we asked 
Are there anybody? Is there anybody interesting in the second round um, that could potentially go to the Hornets at 45? And he said Patrick Baldwin. This is somebody that's already worked out for the Hornets um, a little bit earlier this year, Doug, or this offseason. Fascinating because dude was dominant in high school, looked to be a lottery pick, goes to play at Milwaukee with his dad, and put up just, just atrocious numbers. It, just an abysmal season that nobody expected. The field goal percentage was brutal. The three-point percentage, it wasn't good. And then he goes to the combine and then posts an awful vertical. Like, there was nothing that went good for him. But the high school tape, it's that good. He was that highly thought of. And still, when you watch him, like, he still does have this fluidity to him moving. The mechanics aren't bad. I think he shot okay from the free throw line. Um, But it was just so bad that he's not going to be a lottery pick. He very well might fall all the way to 45. And so that would be kind of like the swing for the fences type of selection that just might work out. He's 6'10 and could put the ball on the deck and and shoot like that. So that that's the reason he's so enticing. You know, if if you don't know about Patrick Baldwin, do you like that idea, Doug? You like that philosophy of swinging for the fences at 45 rather than saying, "Hey, let, let's get the guy that we think at least is going to work in the NBA even if it's not going to work at a potential star level." I like it at 45. I mean, I like taking a big swing, even if they end up doing some kind of trade back scenario that lands them with an early second round pick, because then that that's where, you know, even though those early, I think those early second round picks still make some decent guaranteed money. Um, it's, you know, it's not a scenario where it's completely low risk, uh, mm-hmm. but I think, yeah, what when I'm just looking at what he did in high school, uh, I think, and you also have to think like, how much did that scenario in Milwaukee? It was it was such an odd scenario. How much did that impact everything? I think he also had an injury, and and he's talked a lot about how he didn't get into rhythm. That kind of scares you a little bit because you know all that talk of like coming back from an injury and rhythm really I think points to like mental toughness, you know, mm-hmm. and and the resilience uh, kind of factor that I think really can make or break an NBA career. So it's scary. So, you know, I don't I don't see it as something that you would want to do in the first round, but I'd be comfortable with it in the second round for sure. I wonder how much his workouts are going to help him or hurt him. You know, if if he's not if he's not great, then why draft him if you if you're only going off of what he did before college? Well, especially knowing. Yeah. Knowing how it went in Milwaukee, then it's like I think if you're a team, you know, there's added there's added pressure for Baldwin to come into these workouts and show what he can do. And so that's great. That's great if you're an organization because you want us. That's what you want to see. You want to, you know, you can, you're not going to glean anything from seeing Ben Caro do a workout. There's no pressure. You know, Ben Caro knows he's a top three pick, so you're not you're not really getting any information. But Baldwin's in a scenario where he's playing for his draft life and and working out for his draft life, and so you're going to see, hey, can this kid handle the pressure? Can he put away the pressure and and you know not let it affect him at all? Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. So we'll we'll know we'll know whether he you know ends up being a early second round pick or falling out of the draft altogether, which is certainly a possibility. Lots of fun with Richard Stamen. We have one more segment. We'll air tomorrow. We'll find a what way. What a segment it is! Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, you know, you were we were starting to go off the rails even in that last one, and in the third yeah. segment, it's all over the place. We play a name game. 
Doug plays his own name game during the show. I'm always playing my own game, folks. It's true. March to the beat of my own guitar, if you know what I'm saying. Speaking of the rhythm, just not able to find it, Doug is going to his own rhythm. You know, he finds his. He doesn't find the show rhythm all that well, Mm -hmm. but he finds his own, and you're going to find that out in the next segment that we have with Richard Stateman. That's coming up tomorrow. We're going to mention a lot of different prospects. If you just want to crash course on his power rankings for some of these guys that could be available then tomorrow that's the show for you that's going to be fun friday live on youtube Uh, probably have david walker around talking about all kinds of crazy stuff maybe do a little finals talk we haven't talked much about the finals so we can get it all in tomorrow and maybe a coaching decision who Uh, knows possibly probably i mean knowing Knowing our show and our luck, it's going to happen. People are going to get two shows. I think that the Brago firing, that's exactly what happened. We went fun Friday, and then they fired Brago. We had to come back on the air. So you might get two shows tomorrow. You know what I really don't want to happen, though? I would as as frustrating as that is, I don't want that news to break when we are about five minutes from ending, and then we just have to continue. I I don't want to do that. So if you're going to name it, at least wait for us to get done. And then we will put out the second show rather Give us than a breather. Just, yeah, like do or do, because we don't want to even erase all the previous recording. We're going to feel the need to do that. So I guess it could be worse, but it is going to happen either one of those ways. There's going to be a coaching decision as soon as we get off the air. All right. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Make your second listen locked on NBA Big Board. Richard Stabin, part of a part of that show, our friend that we've been talking to the last couple of days. One more segment with him tomorrow. Also, it's host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the author of the NBA Big Board newsletter. They're joined by Sam Ferris and Leaf Tulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. It's going to be a fun Friday tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.